Welcome to Live with Crabtree Coaching Collaborative, your compass for educational excellence. Now, as instructional leaders, we want to avoid that overwhelming sense of burnout and exhaustion because of all of those different competing priorities. We want to avoid our staff members becoming utterly frustrated because they cannot keep up with the demands. And let's face it, we want to avoid just having that lack of confidence because we don't feel like we're making any progress. That's why you're here, right? My name is Alyssa Crabtree, and with over 16 years of experience, I am here to help you gain clarity Amplify your learning like never before and hone in on intentionality. This is where transformation begins and excellence is always the standard. Remember, we are in this together, my friends. So let's do this thing. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited today with our special guest, Gretchen Bridgers. Gretchen, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Alyssa, this is going to be so much fun. I can't wait to talk shop and hopefully give your audience a few tidbits, strategies, and inspiration to take on the rest of the week. Yes, that is exactly what I knew you would bring to the table today. And for all of our viewers today and those who are catching the replay, Gretchen has over almost two decades of education experience. She is here. Well, first of all, Gretchen, you don't look like you have two decades. I know. <laughs> I'm trying hard to look young these days. Girl, you're doing great. You are doing great. But Gretchen is here and she is the co the host of Always a Lesson podcast. That's where I first learned about Gretchen and listening to her podcasts have been so inspirational. And then if you pop on over to her website at Always alyssalesson.com. She has a plethora of resources and opportunities for you to work alongside her. So Gretchen, tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming an educator and then a coach and now a coach of coaches. Yeah, I think it's important to share our stories. Why? I'm not just here for story time, but I want you to listen for things we have in common. Why? Because I think it's important that if you see something I've done and you think, I'd love to do that. Or that sounds so similar to my interest. That's how we can collaborate. That's how we can talk. And I might be able to help you. And same with Alyssa's journey. If she shares something and you're like, I would love to do that. Or I think I might actually be capable of that. Talk with us. So I share this and not just to tell you my story, but like to help you and think through what what's next for you, your next few chapters. So I did elementary teaching, second, third, and fifth. I did two different environments. I thought that was really important so I could figure out how to be a great teacher. I thought if I stayed in the same grade level, teaching the same type of kids under the same principle, I would never learn and grow. I would never be stretched. I would get very comfortable very fast. So when the transfer fair came, I went to a different school and had that experience. So I got Title I experience and then suburban school. And I had four administrators who were just phenomenal. Uh, and even some just were imperfect. And from that, I was able to brainstorm what kind of leader do I want to be? And what does this look like? And I thought for sure I'd go the principal route. And my principal was so kind. She knew my goals for myself. And she said, just shadow me for a day. And so I did. And it went horribly wrong to the point that I was like, 
this is not for me. I mean, I want to be in classrooms. I want to be with teachers. I want to be talking about your lessons. And uh, that's when, boop, an idea came out that you could maybe coach. And I said, well, what in the heck is that? And so we had some literacy and math facilitators. And I thought, I'm just not in love with a certain subject, but I love working with teachers. And a random email came across my desk and said, hey, this summer, do you want to coach new teachers? And I thought, well, this is great. I want to take a break from tutoring and being with kids all day. So this will be a fabulous way to do that. Well, I fell in love with it and I left the classroom. I never thought I'd leave the classroom, especially since I was just devastated. I thought I had my next life plans being a principal and that was crushed. And I fell in love with helping these new teachers. And so I did that for a few years. And then it was time for me to get married and have kids. And I thought, well, I, I can't do both these things in the way I wanted to do them. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what if I could still do this, but at home and raise my kids and work around my own schedule? And my husband's like, are you sure? <laughs> I don't know about this. And I said, let's just give it a whirl. I mean, what do we have to lose? And I haven't gone back. I'm in schools, but I'm not employed by a school. And I love the freedom and flexibility in that. So I can run to my kid's school and be the mystery reader for the day, right? Or, and then rush back and get on the phone for a PLC. So it's just been a fabulous journey from someone who's type A and wants to know what's coming next. Just know great things will come if you keep showing up, you follow the breadcrumbs, you listen to your gut, you're open to new learning opportunities and your next chapter will unravel. So that is my story. Oh, thank you for sharing that, Gretchen. And you said two things that I think are so important to emphasize. One, you mentioned taking the opportunity to know multiple environments. Right. And oh my gosh, I see so many people who stay at one campus, same grade level, same subject, and they get very comfortable. But then when they want to go to that next level or try something like administration or coaching, sometimes it just is a harder struggle yeah. um, because of that. Did you find that your impact was greater because you had that experience? Well, first of all, I became a better teacher by getting out of the classroom. If you ever have a chance to do something else and work with teachers, I was like, oh my gosh, look at these things these guys are doing. I could be so much better. But also teaching in the different environments gave me perspective. I realized that leadership didn't look one way. And then there's all these different initiatives. And how do you prioritize them? And how do you communicate? How do you build different cultures? It's the same physical school building, yet the vibe was so different under different leadership. And so that was really important to me. And obviously teaching different grade levels, I understood how things connected. And I took more responsibility that my kids were ready for the next grade level because I knew what was coming. And then I worked with the grade level below me and helped you prepare so that when they come to me, it's seamless. There's no hard transition. And so I think teaching in different schools under different leadership, different grade level subject areas, all of that allowed me to have great perspective on what is a great teacher and what does it look like? Because it can be very different and there's no one right way. Absolutely. And I always, I tell people all the time, like, complacency is a dangerous place to be in. If you're too comfortable, maybe try to shake things up. Um, you also said in your introduction about, you know, you tried the shadowing of an administrator for a day and you were like, oh, that ain't for me. And I think it's important for educators to know there's not just one path I feel like there's sometimes this traditional path that people feel like they need to take. Mm -hmm. But if you still love being in the classroom and being with teachers, 
coaching's the way to go. Like that is, that is the place. I think so. It's a happy medium. Definitely a happy medium. Now, I love the title of your podcast. I think that's what really grabbed my attention is it's titled Always a Lesson. Uh How did you come up with that title? (laughs) Well, because whether you're teaching a lesson or you happen to be learning one yourself, there's always a lesson. And I am queen of walking around in life and noticing something and thinking, huh, like that applies to education. And then I go and teach somebody. I'm like, you wouldn't believe this sign I saw the other day or I was watching these birds interact and they're like, how did you come around to this thing in education? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe this is my X factor. But the point is the lessons are all around us. You have to be willing to learn and grow. You have to be willing to notice what the lesson is and then say, okay, I know what I need to now go do or I need to try. And so I just share everyday things that could happen to you, could happen to me and teach you how this could apply to your situation and give you actionable steps. And so I thought it was so appropriate to name my business, name my website, name the podcast after always a lesson. Yeah. I, to me, I think that's so powerful just because we always need to keep learning. Yeah. And, and I have like kind of like a stump question for you. Do you have anything that you learned recently that you're like, oh, that totally fits. This could go into leadership or education. Anything crazy happened recently? Um, just the fact that you need to be willing to take risks. I learn a lot from my kids and they're very different. One is a risk taker and she ends up figuring out a solution faster because she's someone that's just going to keep trying stuff. Where my other one wants to think it through, she's type A, like, let's figure out what's our game plan to go down the slide and across the monkey bars. And and then by the time she gets there, it's been 30 minutes and you could have been across 10 minutes ago, you know, but so it's interesting to me about your own mindset and your own willingness to just give stuff a shot when it's imperfect, when you don't even know. And I think the best part about being a coach is to say, I am not the expert. Like I was coaching K-12. I don't know all those subject areas. So that teacher is that content expert, but I was coming as the delivery, the planning and the delivery. I got that down and I can help you, but you got to take care of this piece over here. Mm -hmm. And through that together, I was just willing to be like, I don't know it all, but let's just figure it out and let's just get to work and let's just try it. Um, And so I think that's the biggest lesson in life really is to just be open and willing to try new things. Uh, that that is a perfect segue to my next question about empowering teachers because we talk a lot about empowering other educators and what would you say are some of the greatest moves that we can make to empower educators especially with the climate that's happening or everything that's going on right now in education yeah it's really hard frustrating challenging but I don't want you to ever think it's going to be easy. There will always be something. Sometimes there's a lot of somethings and that can get overwhelming, but it's never going to be super easy and obstacle free. However, I think the best thing that we can do to empower teachers is three things. I want to teach you how to have a personal and your own professional goal. A lot of times administrators are like, here's what the district or the state says you got to work on this year. And it's like, that's so great. And I'm going to help you get there. Like, I can't get you to do that until you feel supported to do what you want to do. And so for me, it was leadership in the classroom. And my coach sat with me and said, okay, you're not ready to leave the classroom, but what does this look like? How are we leading students first? How are you leading your colleagues during planning? How can you lead the rest of the staff during PD and still remain in your role? And the only reason I was motivated to show up and do my normal job was because someone was helping me do the things I wanted to do and help me grow. And they were sending me emails. Look at this 
symposium. You need to go check this out. This is right up your alley. So if we don't get to know our people, then we're not going to know their goals and we can't help them achieve. So take time to empower them to be able to say, I have this one thing I want to get better at. And I now know that I've got someone beside me to help me do that. Yeah. Secondly, we want to talk about having, having a roadmap because you can be pie in the sky and like, here's my major goal, but a lot of people don't know how to break it down and to plan backwards. I mean, that's a skill we have as an educator, but sometimes we get stuck when it comes to our own stuff. It's like, oh, okay, well, here's the goal. Here's the action steps. But more importantly, what's the expectation of myself? I have to show up and be willing to chase this. I have to be willing to read the book or go to the conference or meet one new person over the internet, right? And then the last area of empowerment, I think, is allowing them to share their ideas. And some folks don't want to stand up in a staff meeting and tell everyone how great they are or show them their data binder or whatever. But there are opportunities in planning or in a PLC or even in a PD in a smaller group where teachers can share out what they're doing. And that empowers them. One, I see you and I see the great things you're doing. But two, I want you to do that leadership of taking over the process and being part of the learning journey and sharing how you're doing it. And I think if we give them the voice and, and the choice, that's going to lead to an impact that they can have for years to come. And it's all about developing these habits, these routines, so that the culture of being a learning is there. And everything that you just said makes a lasting impact right. because you're giving them the tools for that independence. Um, I don't know if you have seen a lot of this, but often it's uh, coaches just want to do things for teachers. Like, let me do it for you because we all want to save everyone. We don't want to see anyone struggle. But I love you've said a couple of things like it's not going to be easy. Things are not, you know, it's not going to be easy. But then also getting to know the individual. I cannot stress that enough, that personal relationship, especially when you're trying to motivate adults, they got to know you care the same way as kids. Um, thinking of those three things, what would you say with the start of the school year? I know in Texas, we've already started. Uh, I don't know if y'all have already started. And so with it being like the first few weeks of school, what are like the top three moves a coach needs to make at the beginning of the school year to really gain momentum? Yeah, I think it, we got to start, I hate to say building relationships, that's what everyone says, but it's about, our goal is trust. I can't help you achieve goals and help you grow if you don't trust me. And so yeah. the way to get started is a human connection. That's what I mean by build relationships. So it's a high five. It's an acknowledgement. Someone's first name is very important. Learn everyone's name. And even if you forget, admit it and say, forgive me, I'm going to get this right. Remind me your name again and remind me your name again. And when you are called by your first name, people feel important. They feel seen and valued. So now you're a step ahead. They're like, who is this person? This person makes me feel so valued. I just saw him at the candy machine, you know? Um, <laughs> but then the second thing we do is follow up and follow through. And in the beginning, we're not doing a lot of heavy coaching work, but we're getting resources or being a connector from staff member to staff member if someone's an expert. And all I can say is if you say, hey, I'm going to check back on you in two days, check back on them in two days. If you say, I'm going to follow up and see how that, that went, follow up. Your consistent actions are what are going to teach someone you are trustworthy. And when they think you're trustworthy, they want to work with you. They want to hear what you have to say. They value your opinion. 
Um, the third thing I'd say is be available and and be present. So we have to be on the hallways. We can't be in our office. We have to be in the food line. We have to be out on the recess lot. We have to be on with the car riders in the bus lot. Wherever our people are, we need to be because they are going to ask you stuff at the weirdest locations around the school building. Where <laughs> is it going to happen in your office? Right. So just get out and be present in that conversation. And my fourth tip, just about developing that trust and getting the year to start off great, is be the co-pilot. They need to be the one in the seat making the decisions. And even if it's not the best decision, you're still there helping them navigate. And that, that is our role as the assistant, as the guide. Yes. So one of my dear friends, uh, Bethany Reese of Leadership on the Rocks, she talks a lot about being the guide, be the Yoda. Oh, and, cool. you know, you don't. And I know that uh, Donald Miller has a book on business made simple, marketing made simple. Yeah. Uh, and he talks a lot about that as well. And the teacher should be the hero of their own journey. Yes. That's that empowerment piece. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh my gosh. I love that. And I had an interview not too long ago with Dr. Price. She was an administrator of the year in her school district. And that was one of the things she talked about uh, uh, for building a positive culture was visibility. Oh, yeah. you know, if you're an instructional leader, be available and be present. And that consistency is huge. Totally. Yeah. So thinking of that and being available a lot of times coaches are misused as 100% resource people or 100% catch all. If you know, and, and it's happened to me, I'm sure it's happened to you. Um, how would you suggest campuses flip that narrative so that they are used for what they are truly hired to do? Now, listen, I'm a team player. So if you ask me to pitch in, I'm going to pitch in. So mm -hmm. please don't think that I'm like, nope, I'm only going to do these things. However, it's important that you have fairly clearly laid out what is the role of a coach. And a principal, it's not I'm going to tell you, the principal, what I want coaching to be. It's what is your vision and how can I help us get there? And so if the principal hasn't taken time to think of what does coaching look like, why am I utilizing a coach? Well, then that's the place to start. And then once you've listed it out very clearly, say, all right, let me create a schedule or a calendar to demonstrate these expectations and, and your vision. So if I'm spending 70% of my time in a classroom, well, then that makes sense that you truly believe coaching is important. But if I'm spending 70% in my office and doing other random tasks that don't align with coaching, then they, there's a problem there. And so you can do an audit to figure out where am I spending my time? Does this align with what we said we wanted to do? And and every month or two, check back and say, man, this month got real busy and I did a lot more of subbing than I should have, you know? So it's like, how do we get back to center? But it all comes back to what the administrator visions because if you're in a school where they have a coach because they were told to have a coach and they don't really believe in coaching, it's going to be very hard for you to get away from all those little jobs. But it comes back to the partnership of, Okay, I can help you achieve your goal for this school and I can do it through this avenue, but you have to help me protect my time when I'm working in this avenue. And and it's a back and forth. It's not going to be perfect. And you might argue a little bit about how it should be done or you might not always get to do it the way you want to do it. But the point is, are we having the conversations? And a lot of coaches don't even know they can have that conversation. You should have a standing 
meeting with your principal to say, how are things going? Am I focusing on the right things? Are we seeing improvement? How do I need to adjust my time? How can you back me up and encourage teachers to work more wholeheartedly with me or whatever it is? So I think it's a conversation and an alignment between the administrative team and the coach. Yes. And especially knowing the impact that a coach can make in a classroom and for student learning, I think it is essential that coaches do speak up for their time. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned having that standing meeting with an administrator and sometimes coaches might feel like they can't have it. Mm -hmm. Coaches, talk <laughs> to your principals. It is so important because if not, the administrators making assumptions about what's happening in classrooms, yeah. they need you. But you need to have that conversation of what does this role look like on the campus? Yeah. Yeah. It's imperative. Um, and the administrator needs to present it to the entire staff. Yes. This, it, it, they have to. And it can't just be the coach saying, hey, this is what I am and this is what I yes. am. Yes. Yes. Administrators, please. That helps with the investment in coaching. Yeah. And, and often, not just that first intro meeting, like throughout your newsletters, throughout the year, during PD, spotlight coaching and what it's done. It's not just for the people struggling. I mean, it becomes your culture. We are learners here and coaching is the way we do it. Yes. It's for everyone. Yeah. Everyone gets a coach. Yes. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a coach. And you yes. get a coach. Well, and that's, I did a post not too long ago and I was like, you know, we always, we, we hire coaches, like people get uh, job coaches or professional coaches. They get financial coaches. They get life coaches, education coaches as well. Like right. everyone gets a coach. Yes. Um, speaking of Coaching. Now, this one's huge. And this is like one of the biggest concerns I get with coaches. I'm sure you do too. Crucial conversations. Yeah. And I know that you do some training on how to have those crucial conversations. What nuggets of information would you give our coaches today, administrators, teacher leaders of any kind? How do we have them? Well, first, you have to have them. Okay, because if you don't, it only gets worse and then it's very hard to come back to center. And so if you catch stuff when it's small and teachers do this in the classroom with kids, if you tell them this is the expectation, then it doesn't get out of hand. Same thing with teachers, same things with other administrators. Like if we're not having the conversations when things are small or less than ideal or didn't quite meet the expectation, but it was close enough. Well, then things get out of hand fast and then it's like. Why'd you let it go on so long, right? So you have to be willing to have a conversation, even when you feel like this is so silly, like this is so small. Why am I bringing this up? But during the conversation, you're not there to like, you should have done this. It's no. here's what I noticed. Here is the impact it had. And as a reminder, this is the expectation because X, Y, Z. And when you tie it back to like, we're all here working on student achievement or teacher proficiency, whatever your goal is, when you can tie it back, it's less personal. It's like this one moment in time when this one decision was made, um, this did not align. And so I just want to bring us back quick reflection and what we're going to do forward. And I uh, can't wait to support you through that. And it can be a positive conversation. I mean, it shouldn't be like you're about to get fired because you should along the way have already been having some of these hard conversations. My best tip 
especially those of you who are less confident or maybe haven't started having them, is to practice in a mirror or practice to your kids, your family, your loved ones, and, or, or videotape yourself. Like, how do I come off? Am I smiling? Am I too serious? Am I having a hard time finding my words? How do I say it in a positive way? It allows you to get all the flubs out before you have to go and do it in person. Yes. Um, and, and, and you're never going to outgrow a crucial conversation. They will happen all the time. They'll happen in your marriage. They'll happen with the kids. They'll happen with the neighbors. They'll happen at work. So the quicker and easier you feel just being like, hey, let's just talk about that for a minute. It becomes natural and a part of how you hold people accountable in a soft, kind way without you looking like, you know, you didn't do X, Y, Z. Yeah. At the beginning, you mentioned kind of like it was three stems that what I noticed, what were those three stems again? Well, now, now you're going to make me think back on my memory. Um, this is what I noticed. This is what should have happened. And this is the expectation that we're trying to meet or something. Yes. I love those three stems because it is factual. It's not emotional. Yes. And, yep. and I think that's one of the keys to a crucial conversation is laying down the facts. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be 30 minutes. So a lot of other times people are like, oh, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't have time for the conversation. It's like, dude, as long as it's in private, it could be in the hallway while they're doing their bulletin board. And it takes five minutes. As long as they are clear on what you're saying and you're clear and you got next steps and done. I mean, it doesn't have to be this big thing where it's like, come into my office. We have to sit down for 30 minutes, sign this paper. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Would you, so, and I've, I've heard both sides. And so kind of like listening to your conversation about it doesn't have to be a big deal. I've heard some people say you need to give them like a heads up. Like, can we meet? The goal of the conversation is this. And some people are like, oh, but that's going to make them worry about it all day long. What, what is your advice on that? I've done both. And it depends on the infraction. So like I said, if we're catching it while it's small, you can pop in or say, hey, I got I just need five minutes at the end of the day. I want to run something by you. Um, but if it's like you're a repeat offender and we need to document, then I will email you, give you a heads up. As you know, we've been discussing this particular obstacle for you. Here's some of the things we have tried to, to address it because this is our paper trail now. And then this is our meeting where we're going to sit down and discuss this in depth with some action steps. And then they know, okay, it's very clear. I know what this is about. I can think ahead of time of what I want to say. I'm not trying to ambush you while you're doing your bulletin board and be like, you should have done this. And you're like, I, I should have said 10 things, but I couldn't because I was so worried. But the mm -hmm. point is here, like, it doesn't have to be this big thing. It just has to be a, a talk with clarity. Yeah. And just like you said, you have to have it. You have mm -hmm. to, I know they're uncomfortable, but as a coach, that's one of the things that you need to do to coach people. And if not, you're actually doing them an injustice because then the principal's going to come in and that ain't good. And you're teaching them how to do this with their students because their students aren't perfect and they're going to make mistakes and you're holding them accountable. And the quicker everyone learns how to communicate and not be afraid of saying hard things and the better it is. And it's facts like we keep talking about. It's not like I think you're a horrible person or I would have done it different. It's not that at all. Yeah, it's not. I love that you said it. It teaches others how to do that with their kids. We're modeling expectations. Right. So you talk often about coaches leaving a legacy and influence growth on your podcast. And I, I think I love that. So a little bit for us. How can coaches leave a legacy for the teachers they work alongside? 
Okay, so a legacy is is leaving a pathway for someone who's behind you to follow. And it doesn't mean you've got all the answers, but it does mean you've kind of sort of figured out something that could be helpful, and I'm going to share it. So with that said, no matter your role, no matter how long you've been doing this, you can leave a legacy. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have been a 20-year veteran to like, okay, now I'm going to start my legacy. It happens the day you decide I'm going to leave one. And, and just like a family's name has a legacy or a reputation, your decisions and how you show up has a legacy. And I think it's freeing when people hear that I, I could, as a teacher or um, as a instructional coach or as an minister, I can have a legacy too. I don't have to be this famous person in history books, you know? Um, and so just know that if you're not in the room, and things you have put into place are happening, that's a legacy. If you're absent one day or you've moved on to another role and people are still doing something that you've helped them develop, it's their own habit or it's a protocol, that's a legacy. That's because of you, you did something that had a lasting impact. We keep talking about that. That is your legacy. And to be able to step away, and we've all had these where kids come back years later and tell us what an impact we've had. And it, and it happens more and more. And it's because the things we're doing aren't just for today. These are long lasting habits we're developing so we can impact generations of kids. Because I believe if I have a high performing coach, that turns into a high performing teacher, which turns into a high performing student. And on and on it goes. It's this ripple effect. It's a domino effect. And it's important that we get very clear on what our legacy is. So I'm going to give you six steps. Are you fine with that? Oh, yes. <laughs> so I want you to be able to create your environment first. And in order to do that, we got to prepare. So the first thing that we're going to do is get clear. What kind of legacy do you want to have? Like, what do you want to be known for? What do you think you're really great at? Do some soul searching. Like today, if I were going to say my legacy is called blank, what would it be? Yeah. The second thing, you're going to start making your plan. It's the planning backwards. How do I take a step today that aligns with that? So if I say I want to have a legacy for creating higher order thinking in the question, uh, questions in the classroom, then that means tonight I'm going to script my very best question for tomorrow's lesson. So you take one action step that aligns to whatever you want that legacy to be. And every day you're thinking to yourself, what action today will I take that aligns to the legacy I want to leave? And mm -hmm. if it's not aligned, then maybe we need to rethink what that is. Third thing, you just start executing. It's going to be messy. It's going to be imperfect. And that's the process. Step four, get feedback from people. How did you like the way I did that? Or was that really helpful? Or how could I do that differently? And the more feedback they give you, that leads you to step five, is you can make adjustments to how you're leaving your legacy. Like, Wow, people really prefer to talk to me in person. They don't want to use an app to talk to me or they really prefer to watch me in action instead of me doing it. Or you learn based on how they react to the things that you're doing and you can refine what your legacy is going to look like. And last step six is that consistency and showing up. We talked all about trust earlier and we now want to talk about a legacy. You can't have a legacy if you aren't consistent in how you're doing something. Yeah. And so I think if you follow those six steps and you know exactly who you want to be from now until the end of time and how you want people to view you, how you want to be remembered, and you think, what am I doing today that aligns with that? You are going to have a lasting impact, whether you're in another room or in another role. People are going to be doing it because 
Gretchen told me to, or Gretchen set this up, or Alyssa taught me to be like this. And I'll always remember her for that. And that's what we want as educators. Yes, we show up every day with a job, but the job is so much bigger than what happens on the day to day. Yes. I, and you know, it, it is, it's that backwards design. And yeah. I feel that often that backwards design is so applicable to life. And I've, I've even said before at my funeral, how do I want people to there talk? Yes. I've, unfortunately, I've been to a lot of funerals and Aww. some, there's some great things said and some, it's just kind of like, oh, I hope people have something to say yeah. when I leave a campus or I leave a district, yeah. um, when I, I leave a teacher, that there is that lasting impact. Yeah. Do you have someone in your mind who has left a legacy for you? Oh, many teachers in my life have done this. And as I talk to them, you know, it's funny. They'll say, I'll never forget you. And I said, me, you were the one teaching me. And they said, because of the way you were hungry to learn and get better. I've never had someone chase me down for feedback or beg me to come in and give them tips and strategies on how to do it better. And I thought, well, I was just really trying to get good as fast as I could before you got taken by another school, you know, or moved on. Like I needed to really learn everything I could. And so it's a backwards legacy too. You never know. It's not always someone who's been in your role for many years. It could be a student that's in your class that year. It could be a brand new teacher down the hall. It could be a random stranger that leaves a legacy with you. And you're thinking, I'll always take that with me and it affects how I do my everyday life. I do things differently because my perspective has shifted from this one person. And in a school, our legacy is much more impactful than the reign of stranger because we see you every day and we're helping you develop the habits and empowering you to be your best. And it's just really amazing opportunity that we have to be amongst each other. And Alyssa, you're helping so many people with these lives. I mean, that's part of your legacy is in imparting knowledge by being a connector of people. Well, and you even said starting each day by asking yourself, what's the one action I'm going to take? So it's not so overwhelming that I have to do this, this, and this. And I think it makes your day more intentional. Yes. Yeah. And it helps you realize maybe this isn't as important as I thought it was, or maybe I need to take steps I'm afraid to take because they just have to take one. I don't have to do this big thing. Um, so you're encouraged to just get started. Yes. I love that. Thank you for that. I mean, those are six girl. You need to make that a lead magnet. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'll work on it. Yes. So <laughs> let's talk a, a little bit about teacher retention. I was even, I saw a TikTok video this morning that was talking about the crisis and that there's over 55,000 teacher vacancy positions right now in the U.S. And why, why is it that you believe educators are leaving the profession and what can we do to bring them back or to get more people interested in the profession? I think there's a, a various reasons. I mean, there's pay, uh, which is really hard to tackle unless you're encouraging schools to go after stipends. If you're going to be a coach, but you're paid on a teacher scale, which is common, is there a stipend they can have? Or if they're mentoring a teacher or, you know, write a grant so you can get some funding for at least materials to do your job even better. So there's ways to kind of combat pay and then a, a different route. But um, support is the biggest thing that we can do to proactively prevent teachers from leaving. And support looks like, do you help me uh, when I need it? Meaning, 
if a teacher is asking for help, can I actually help you? Do you, do you need access to something? Do you need a resource for something? Do you need me to pop in for something? But more importantly, do you want me to succeed? Because if you're just helping me for the act of helping me, I can feel that. But if you're like, I can't wait to see what you go do with this, or you want to read this book I have? Awesome. I can't wait to see you implement it. Like if you're cheering me on to get better, then I want to show up and work for you. It doesn't mean that um, I'm worried you're, you're, I have to be perfect, but it is like, I trust that you want me to be here, that, that you care. And you're not just going through the motions of helping me when I need help, but that you really want to see me do well. So I think support is one major way that we can help uh, this turnover problem. I think an easy thing that happened in my role when I got burnt out was switching grade levels or subject areas. So I think if you've got great teachers who need a break, especially if you're in a testing grade like I was, let them go do something else for a year, find their joy again. Um, I would rather have a break in a great teacher than lose that teacher for years, right? A year goes by fast. They're still in the building. They can mentor someone in the, in the same grade level, whatever. Um, but my principal said, asked me to go up to fifth. And I said, gosh, I, I don't know that I'd be great at that. And she said, we need structure and that's your strength. And I just one year, please. And I said, okay, well, can I teach whatever grade I want to after that? And she said, yes. And so she let me come back down to second, which was not a testing grade. And I was so ready and excited to teach again. And then as soon as that year went, I went back to third, which was my, my jam. Um, and I just needed that break. So I think that's a quick thing that everyone can implement. Yes. Um, another thing is like toxic culture. And this is really hard to combat, but the stress of having test scores weighs heavily on administrators. And sometimes they don't know how to motivate their teachers to do better, especially if they have a lot of teachers that are struggling. And so that affects the good teachers or the ones that are just kind of in the middle. And it ends up being culture clashing that runs people out. And so I want people to know you don't have to leave teaching, but you can leave a school or a district. It's not always going to be like that. I would much rather you stay in education in some capacity than head for the hills. Like don't let one toxic place be your memory of how it's supposed to be because it's not. Yeah. Uh, And then the last one, which I kind of talked about is burnout. Um, and I think this switching to the grade levels or getting the support um, or maybe jumping to a virtual classroom for years, change, some sort of change will allow you to feel like this is different and transferable skills and find a, another piece that will allow you to focus on something new rather than oh, the drudgery of everything gone before. So those are kind of my top reasons I think people end up turning over, but also how we can help them come back. Yeah. And everything that you've said, like in my head, I was thinking, this is why coaches, this is why coaches are so important. Like, you know, you talking about, I mean, just encouraging a teacher to go to another grade level, or you mentioned support. Administrators, if you want your teachers to stay, you're worried about teacher attrition, you want them to continue to stay on your campus give them the support they need, invest in your coaches. Yes. That's so huge. It seems obvious, but it's not. It's not to everyone, but that's, that's the key. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head with culture. Mm -hmm. If, if the culture on your campus is so toxic, you can leave. And, and it's not like that everywhere. No. It's not. I've, I've been on campuses where the culture was 
awesome. I didn't want to leave and I was a coach. Like, I, I was like, can I teach you? Yeah. This is so good. <laughs> so you have the opportunity to interview some powerful educators on yeah. your podcast. And I was able to listen like all summer long, your summer series, listening to some of the great guests that you had on your podcast. And they talked about their own superpowers. You mentioned the X factor earlier. So what have been some of your most memorable moments on the show or lessons that you have learned? Well, I think each one was great. So I'll shout them out. They're all um, teacher leaders in some capacity, but they've got different passion points. And this is why I love the summer series, because if you don't resonate with me or something I say, maybe you love this guest and you want to connect with them. Our PLN is not just the people in the room or in our school buildings or in our state. They are whoever we handpick. So I handpicked some people this summer to come and talk. So for example, Melissa Morrison came on. She talked all about writing instruction and fine tuning your practice. So if that's your jam, you want to hear from her, right? Or Casey Watts, who talked all about collaboration and collective efficacy. Then we had a girl who's my neighbor in my town, uh, Courtney Tate. She talks about just doing one goal at a time. And it's such powerful changes, right? The little things. Um, Then I have a friend of mine, Michelle Rui. She talked about literacy, but she focused on when we increase student learning, we can also at the same time decrease teacher overwhelm. And with literacy changing to science and reading right now, what teacher is not like, yes, Lord, make this easier on me, please? (laughs) Um, Ashley Hubner came on. She talked about student-centered solutions. Heidi Davis talked about the human approach and finding the heart in your teaching again and that passion. Mm-hmm. Um, Jana talked all about data. She is a data nerd, but she helps us find processes that make it not so overwhelming and so that we can fall in love with actually being responsive faster in the classroom. Laura Williams came on. She talked about authentic learning, which I just think that's fabulous. And then Sam closed us out. And she talks about love languages in terms of professional and how you serve your teachers. So I thought, man, this summer series is jam-packed with such different um, topics and passions and, and so much to learn on the go. And I love podcasts because you don't have to be at the same place at the same time. You can listen whenever you want. You can jump around. You can skip some if, if you don't like it. But Here's amazing people. Listen to what they're trying. Um, And so it's an honor to be able to share that with everybody and say, go learn from these folks. Yes. I would even suggest PLCs take the time to listen to these episodes. Like just take it because I, one, you interviewed some of my absolute favorite people in the world. (laughs) I love them and I follow them and I learn from them so often. And I'm just picturing, oh my gosh, a group, a PLC sitting down and listening to uh, Casey Watts talk about an efficacy cycle or talking about collective efficacy or Melissa Morrison or Michelle Rui talking about uh, instruction, reading and writing instruction, John Lee about that, like John Lee talking about formative assessment. Like I'm just all of those episodes, every single episode, PLCs make that part of your agenda. Yeah, I'm just going to listen to maybe each one, each member of the PLC could listen to a separate episode and bring it back because there were so many nuggets of great strategies and wisdom in there. Yeah, you could do like a bingo board and they have to listen to just three across the board. And then they have to say, now, what am I doing because of the information I learned here? 
How's this going to change my practice? Boom. Such uh, impactful PD because it's something they can replicate without you being there. That's the legacy piece. You show them the system, you give them access, and then they can replicate that when you're not around. Look at what you've just started. And I'm just, I love that idea of a bingo board. <laughs> People, if you're watching right now, <laughs> make that part of your professional learning. Yeah. Our podcast episodes. Yeah. Because there's so much value that can be brought back to the team and to listen to. And your listeners are going to be excited because you're going to be on a future episode. So if you like our little collaboration here, wait for that one to come out. Yes. (laughs) So Gretchen, tell our our viewers, those who are live today and those who are catching the replay, you know, you have a wealth of knowledge and have worked with so many individuals and campuses and districts. What are three resources that you rely on or that you would recommend to teacher leaders? Okay. First, the best and easiest way to grow is to follow who people you follow, follow. So go after your favorite gurus and look at who they're following because they're not going to follow just any Joe Schmo. They're going to follow people who are going to help them learn and grow. And so that's the quickest way to follow quality people is who are the people I admire and I'm going to follow who they follow. So that's Mm -hmm. the first piece of advice. Second piece, if you don't know Nicole Turner and you're starting out in coaching, she has a book, Simply Instructional Coaching. She's got a podcast. She's got, um, I think, a planner. If you're starting out, this is like the best, just like get started kit. And it's so uh, applicable and there's space for you to write. And it's not like all sciencey in terms of like, you know, the history of things. It's like, this is what works in school right now. Now you reflect, what are you going to do? So that would be another resource, either on social media, get on her newsletter or buy her books or whatever. But um, I absolutely adore her. And then last, I would say, if you like the things that I'm sharing, stay tuned because uh, my book is going to be released in the spring. And it, and it's called Always a Lesson, but it talks about the things you can do in the classroom to have success, but also will follow you in career. And I call them the teacher essentials. And so if you're a coach, you'll use this book to design your PD and your PLCs. But if you're a teacher, it also gives you the pathway. Here's the sequence of instructional focuses you need to follow and you need to perfect before moving on to the next thing. And I promise you, if you do it in the sequence, you will see bigger results. Um, And that came out of all my work in schools of them asking me to band-aid solutions. And I was like, no, 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 we're not doing that. We need to go way back to the root of the problem. And they'd say, no, I'm I'm great at that. Like, I don't need to work. I'm a veteran. Like, I don't need to go way back to lesson design. I said, it's not about a lesson template and lesson planning. Like, we got to dig deep so that we can prevent the classroom management issues and prevent the lack of engagement. Like, we got to go back. Anyway, I could talk forever about that. (laughs) But the point is, get your hands on the pre-order today. I think that's going to be really helpful. And if you need some help um, applying any of this knowledge, I run a mastermind just for coaches and teacher leaders where we hash it out. So that's also another amazing resource. Oh, great. So Gretchen, is your mastermind already available? Can people go ahead and register? Yes, ma'am. The fall cohort has started. You're welcome to join. I do a fall and a spring. So if you want to jump in, jump in. If you want to wait, you can wait. But it's meant to be a small, intimate, and we talk all the things. We talk obstacles. We talk goals. We celebrate. We hash it out. And I have someone from Canada and Africa, and people are all over. And the best thing about that is you hear how schools operate in different places, and it gives you ideas for how to do things differently. 
I don't want you to always talk to people that teach your same kids in your same district because it really limits your perspective. Yeah. Where can they, where can our listeners register for that? Where can they get that information? Well, if you want to go to alwaysalesson.com and you can send me a message. I'll give you the personal link right there. What? And I'm even going to put it in the show notes. So at alwaysalesson.com, um, I'll put it on the YouTube show notes Perfect. so that people can see it as, as well. I feel like I was typing so fast. There's so many grammatical <laughs> errors and I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. I love that you type as I'm talking. This is great. I'm trying, you know, it's funny. I have a new stand. And so when I type, it's wobbly. And I'm like, oh, I'm shaking. <laughs> it's just a little earthquake over here. Um, so where can our listeners follow you on? Where, which social media platforms? Oh, I'm on them all. So you find what you like more. Um, always a lesson pretty much on everything except Twitter, which is G Schultek. It's my maiden name. Um, but if you go to alwayslesson.com, you can see all the little icons. Pick the one, the social media platform you like. Click there and follow me. And and I encourage you not just to follow. I really want you to collaborate with me. Like, let me know what's going on or what's resonating or how I can help or point you in a direction of someone else who's a pro. Like, please don't just be a silent follower. I really want to engage with you. Yes. And, and I feel like that's where the community is built is when yeah. people engage with one another and the learning occurs. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you, Gretchen, so much. I am so grateful that you came and joined us today. And I hope to have you on again. Like you Yay! are just so a wealth of information. So thank you so much. I appreciate you, Alyssa. It's so kind. Thank you. Well, everyone, I hope you all have a fabulous day. Be sure to follow Gretchen Bridgers on social media. Visit her website and go and pre-order your book today. Yay! I noticed it was on Amazon. Are there any yeah. other places they can purchase the pre-orders? Yes. Barnes and Noble and a couple other retailers. I mean, once it's live, you can get it anywhere. But for pre-order, it's there's like three places you can go. Amazon is definitely the easiest. Gotcha. Oh, girl, I cannot wait to read it. We'll have to do like a book study or something. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, everyone. I hope you'll have a wonderful day. And thank you for joining us with Live with Crabtree Coaching Collaborative. Bye, everyone. Bye.